This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing in endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. I am really, did you get that, really excited for today's episode because we are talking cycling. As you likely know, I spend a lot of time on two wheels. I love how strong cycling makes me feel. I love how much ground I can cover on a bike. I love that it's a low impact sport. And I love watching the smooth pavement just roll out underneath me as I speed along. What I don't love about cycling is that it can be intimidating. Just the thought of a flat tire used to keep me home. The sport definitely has has a learning curve, and we're going to talk through that in the second part of the show. First, though, I'd like to welcome the Train Like a Mother Club coaches, Jen Harrison and Liz Waterstrat, who are both expert cyclists and triathletes, and are both coaching me privately for some aqua bike events this summer and fall, so I know they know their stuff. We're gonna spend the first part of the show talking about the benefits of cycling and how to integrate it into a running routine. So welcome coaches Liz and Jen, thanks for coming. Thanks Hi. for having us. Awesome, awesome. We have a lot of ground to cover today, like a century's worth basically. So we're gonna jump right in. So Liz, your first bike ride for a workout. Remind us, do you remember it? Yes, uh, 1999 on a boyfriend's <laughs> mountain bike. I was, I had signed up for a a triathlon in my hometown, my first one ever. And I I found a personal trainer who was my first coach and she told me to go ride hill repeats. So I found this little incline in a neighborhood and I just remember riding up and down the hill on that mountain bike, on a mountain bike, like with like tires that probably didn't go super fast, right? No, no, but, but it's funny because later that year I did a duathlon and I actually bought I went to the bike shop. Okay, this was the the beginning of Liz Watershot competitive athlete. I went to the bike <laughs> shop and I said to them, I said, I want the fastest tires you have. And I remember like the night before a race, which is when you should change everything. <laughs> $100 tires <laughs> and put them on. And then in the race, someone rode by me and said, hey, nice pace for a mountain bike. Nice, nice. Did you, yeah. did you win that race? 
I won my age group, but let's be honest, there were not many 20 to 24 year olds doing the Dan and Duathlon back then. That's awesome. Dan and Duathlon. I was by the way from 99. You know I'm going to look up those results. <laughs> it all lives on the internet. It all lives on the internet. All right, Liz. I mean, Jen, what about you? What Do you remember um, when did you take up cycling as kind of not just going to the ice cream store or, you know, go riding your bike down to the pool? Yeah, you know, I actually grew up with my mom and my sister all through high school. My sister and my high school. My sister is just a year younger than me. They did BAMI. Back in the day, it was bicycling across the magnificent miles of Illinois, which is comparable now to Ragbri. Oh, so okay. they would drink and well, my sister, of course, didn't drink because she was in high school, but my mom <laughs> drank and my mom and sister still are good friends with all those people. They went and they begged me to go, asked me to go. I would go on training rides with them. I was miserable. I hated every second of it. Never did it. Wait, 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 back up, back up. They did, so they drink along the ride or is like when they got to their well, like, place at the end of the along, day? Yeah, yeah, you drink <laughs> along the ride, but you stop at every eight, you know, every night you yes. camp out somewhere in gyms or outside and then they would drink and dance and, you know, it was great. My mom is, I have a really, really young mom. She had me at 21. So when she, when we were in high school, she was, I mean, she was 40, you know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't even 40. She was 38. So she's having living up her best life. My sister is living her best life. I had no interest in it. They try to get me. So that's my first um, thing. But in the, on a competitive side, I met my husband, my current husband, and he was biking. <laughs> and he was like, you swam your whole life, basically, and you can run. So why are you not biking? And, and that's kind of what led me into it. But I literally bought a road bike that was too big for me, which is what we all do. Okay. And um, yeah, fell, tried clipless pedals, fell. So did did the typical uh, stuff, but yeah, yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, did it. did was he your coach? Because I know how well it works when you try to coach a loved one, right? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> rule number one: you never coach anybody that you love too much. Yes. Uh, no, he was not my coach. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. So obviously you've progressed. You both um, are, like I said, are just awesome cyclists and um, and know a lot about the bike too, which I think is important. I think. Um, a lot of, and I'm, this is super stereotypical, but I think a lot of women get it. I get intimidated still, you know, um, like, I'm like, wait a second, where's the derailleur? I should know what this is by now. You know, I've rid ridden so much. So, but you guys really know the equipment of a bike super well. Um, but I'm just curious, and we'll get to that in a little while, but I'm curious, did you, do you encourage your runners because you have a lot of private athletes, do you encourage them to use cycling? Um, as cross training, or is it really as a case by case basis, or if they're interested in it, or kind of talk a little bit about that, Liz? It really depends on the person, mm -hmm. but I do think most athletes could benefit from cross training on their bike. It's, mm -hmm. it's just a nice low impact activity, and there's also like if somebody has an injury history, there's a, a lot of good research that working out hard on your bike. So doing intervals, just like you do on, let's say the, the roads or the track has really good transfer over to run fitness. So it's, it's, it can be a really important part of your training program. If you're not, let's say a higher mileage or higher intensity runner. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So Jen, what are some of the benefits? I mean, Liz talked a little bit about the ability. You can get your heart rate pretty high, right? Which you can't do in the pool. Um, if you want it, you know, for thinking of triathlete sports, but um, heart rate high, low impact. What other what other things does cycling have going for it? Yeah, you know, it's actually funny when Elizabeth was saying that. It reminded me back in 2010, I think. I took a year off triathlon and I just did marathons. 
And the coach that I was working with at the time was a marathoner. And he had me doing a ton of biking, not too much, not too long, but frequency over duration and intensity over um, some other stuff. So a lot of the big ring work and a lot of the short, like VO2, like a minute, 30, you know, a minute and a half, anything under two minutes, kind of all out is what I was doing to kind of supplement the running because uh, marathon runners usually run so much during the week and I just don't respond well to it as most people don't respond well to that many miles. So um, just the off the legs, but also having some intensity and having some kind of, you know, the circular motion of the running and the cycling sometimes complement each other really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people who have paid attention for the run of uh, run like a mother and another mother runner know that I basically trained for the Nike women's marathon on my bike. I mean, I got a stress fracture, um, gosh, early on in the training and I was not, I was not giving up that marathon come hell or high water. I was going to it with my, you know, one and three year old. I was like San Francisco or bust. I'm going. And, um, my, my coach at the time who was at Carmichael training systems was like, okay, we're hitting the bike. And holy cow, I worked so freaking hard on that bike, but it, you know, and my longest run I think was like 16 miles. And certainly, you know, I wasn't, absolutely 100% prepared for that marathon, but but it can get you a really nice part of the way, especially like you said, if you're injury prone or don't do well with a lot of high mileage. So yeah, I often think about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Um, well, what about muscle recruitment? I mean, you know, for people who might be a little bit more into kind of the, like, the, the mechanics and the form on the bike, Liz, I mean, I know that your glutes play a huge role in both things, but can you talk a little bit about the differences between cycling and running mus muscularly? It, it, it's very similar. I mean, the, the powerhouse is going to be the, the glutes in yeah. both sports. Cycling is a little more quad dominant. Running is a little more hamstring. You sure. know, I think it's, it tires the hamstrings more, but it, it's, it's all good work. And, you know, when you think about like the muscles it takes to fire at a higher cadence on the bike that transfers really well to the same muscles that you're using in running. So it's, it's very similar. The soleus is really involved in both. So the conditioning, even, even though it might be slightly different recruitment, depending on which part of the pedal stroke you're in conditioning is good across both sports. It's pretty nice. Pretty good. All right. Well, um, so a lot of consistent runners, um, I saw on Facebook and heard randomly, you know, during the pandemic, we were looking for different ways to, <laughs> to keep stimulated. A lot of people bought like an indoor cycling bike, like a Nordic track or got like a spin bike, that kind of thing. Um, and a couple of them I saw were surprised when they hopped on the bike for a workout and were realized how quickly they got winded after like, you know, say a 15, 20 minute ride. Um, and these are people who are, you know, we would consider fit as runners. So can you talk a little bit, give a little insight on that, Jen? Like, is it just a different modality? Yeah, you know, it's just like anything else. It, it will come, if you already have a baseline fitness and you get on the bike, your fitness will improve quickly because you have this running background. However, you still, it's different muscles. So from yeah. a neuromuscular standpoint, you still have to train the muscle, the muscle memory, the recruitment in order to fire uh, through the pedal stroke and uh, use a little bit different muscles. Like Elizabeth said, more quads um, and stuff like that. So yeah, and what happens is when people get on their bikes for the first time, they tend to override and you start too hard and they're panting because 15 minutes later, they they just sprinted for not sprinted, but they went too fast for 15 minutes 
and then they, they have to learn how to pace themselves on the bike, just like the run. Sure, sure. So, um, so Jen, if someone is uh, training seriously for a running race, you know, whether it's a 5K and they want a PR and they're an experienced runner or, you know, training for a marathon, you know, how would you, as a rule, incorporate cycling? I mean, if you, is, it, is it recovery workouts? Is it, um, you know, can you substitute it for easy runs? And again, I realize you can't paint it with a, a wide stroke, but I mean, ideally... What are some ways that you can incorporate cycling into a running race or running? Well, I, yeah, I break it down into two segments. So you have healthy runners uh-huh. and injury prone runners. Okay. For let's start with the healthy runners. With the healthy runners, I would use it much more as a recovery tool. Okay. And get the quality on the road. They're healthy. They have no injuries. They're not injury prone. Um, so I keep it a little bit more recovery, easy, fun. Go to, uh, go to Dairy Queen with your kids on the bike for cross training, you know, like that movement. Sure. On the other side of the camp, you have the injury prone athletes or, or athletes that are injured a lot or something hurts on them or something niggles on them. Then I would use the bike for a lot more quality um, intervals, you know, not necessarily gut busting efforts, but um, trying to complement the running and the cycling to make this fit athlete, but most importantly, keep them injury free and healthy. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And Liz, what's your take? And again, I realize we don't have like a specific case study here, but like spinning at the gym or a virtual class where you're doing like a lot of jumps or some intervals, that kind of thing. I mean, um, I think sometimes people seem to think that those are a little bit easier than they actually are physiologically, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to keep in mind that when you go to a gym class or a lot of these virtual classes, they want to give you this illusion that you're working really hard. So it's worth your time. Yes. But, but you don't have to. I mean, you, you don't have to be in zone four or five, you know, like redlining the whole time to get in a, a good workout. And sometimes that that works against you. So I would just say whatever class you choose, make sure that it fits into the overall big picture of the program and the goal for your workout that day. You can get a lot of benefit by just sitting on a bike and riding easy to steady. It doesn't have to be intervals or all out. Sure, sure. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's talk about um, heading outside. And this is uh, maybe a, it's not a rhetorical question, but I know that one of the things that went missing in the pandemic along with toilet paper was, was bikes, right? And cycling parts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you hear it, I hear it at every bike store I go to, but how, if somebody is interested in finding a bike for this summer, how would you go about getting one, Jen? Um, always try to shop local. So go to your local bike shop uh-huh. and ask them, you know, have a budget. Okay. Figure out if you want a, like, what kind of bike you want. Do you want a road bike, which has the skinny tires? Do you want a hybrid, 
which has medium tires, a mountain bike that has thicker tires. So figure out what kind of bike you want. And if you don't know, that's okay. Go to the bike store, say, hey, listen, I'm trying to get into uh, um, cycling. This is the purpose of my cycling, cross training, or you want to race or whatever it is. And let the guys and girls at the bike shop kind of guide you through that. I will say that the bike shops are having their best lives right now. <laughs> they totally so <laughs> if, if you, I mean, I've been waiting for derailleur for like six months. Um, if, if you can't, you're not going to be able to walk into a bike shop too easily and get a bike. So just have your expectations in check and just ask them, what is the realistic time frame for that bike? You know, things are stuck because of the pandemic. Things are stuck in China. We can't get pieces. We can't get parts. Um, so just be really patient with that. Um, and you can try kind of like a, a lower end, like a Target or a Walmart, if you're not looking to compete and you're just looking to go get out and ride, sometimes you might have better luck there. Sure, sure. Or bigger stores, I think. I mean, I know REI has a nice, some of them have big bike shops um, too, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a quiet bike shop or a smaller bike shop. Um, Liz, since you walked in and said, I want $100 tires, any tips for our ladies who might feel intimidated by, you know, um, People, cyclists are, are a pretty uh, brosy group, as I've talked about on some other podcasts. Sometimes you feel like, mm -hmm. God, unless I like know like the top 10 finishers of the Tour de France for the past decade, I'm not part of their club, right? So yeah. can you talk a little bit about kind of getting the confidence or how you how you can go in and, and just assert yourself, but still obviously be kind, you know, get over yeah. the hump? Yeah, well, first of all, it's important to remember in every area of life, we were all beginners once too. So they, yeah. you might even want to start with that. Say, hey, I'm a beginner just like you were at one time. So yeah. can you help me out? Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to have a budget. Like Jen said, start with your budget and use that as a filter. Because uh, if you go in there with no budget at all, they'll probably try to sell you the most expensive bike that they haven't sold yet. And, <laughs> um, and then honestly, if this is a good bike shop, and most of them are, there should be some sort of measurement process of you before they suggest anything to you. So how tall are you? What's your inseam? Do you have a longer torso, shorter legs, whatever? Um, because that's going to limit which bike works best for you. So, you know, and once they make their recommendations, don't feel the pressure to buy something right away. Maybe go home and do your, your homework on it. I find that many bike shops tend to fit women on bikes that are too big. Okay. because they're trying to unload bikes that no one else has bought, huh. you know, unfortunately. So it might be good just to kind of take their recommendations, take your measurements, go home, do some homework, you know, do some Google stalking and figure out, okay, will this bike actually fit me? Is okay. it, is it right for me? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's super helpful. Um, what about other equipment that they might need when they walk in or if you, if they're starting from scratch, Jen, any, I mean, obviously the helmet is the, is the first one, right, Jen? What, what are you looking for in the helmet? Yeah, so you're just looking for, there is a certification on a helmet. Any helmet that you buy at a proper bike store will be fine. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need to buy the fanciest helmet. There's a lot of different helmets. Just get a helmet that's safe, ANSI certified, which is just the certification company that certifies helmets as safe and you're going to be fine. And they have different sizes. Feel free to try them on. I think that's one of the things that's really important about getting a bike and getting the equipment. I treat it like buying a car. Go in there. You're intimidated by the salespeople. There's all this negotiation involved, less margin in bikes than cars. And 
And oh, of note, bike shops make money on the per, you know the peripheral stuff. They make money on the food. They make money on the clothes. You know the pedals, that kind of stuff. Not okay. quite much on the bikes. So keep that in mind. If you're if you get a two thousand dollar bike and you think you're going to walk out of there with at fourteen hundred dollars, you know keep your expectations kind of in check about how much margin are on those bikes. Um, but anyway, so yes, yeah, so. The helmet is really important. Um, some of the other equipment that you need is, well, you need bike shorts. And I can't emphasize how important it is to have proper bike shorts. And there are two different kinds of bike shorts. There are, and some of you may not have heard of the, there's triathlon shorts, and then there's cycling shorts. The triathlon shorts have a, a much thinner, less uh, cami in it, padding, in other words just stay away from those because they're not really that fun <laughs> and they're not needed. But that you will see a lot of those in the store and people will be talking about that on different forums or different groups. Try to get cycling shorts and they come in shorts that are your normal shorts that hit at your waist. And then there's another pair called cycling bibs. And I only share this with people because you will be confronted with it if you go to a bike shop. And the bibs are just the ones that are, they look like bibs, like your kids wear the bibs that go over your shoulders and stuff like that. One is not better than the other one. It's just personal preference. So there's nothing more important than proper cycling shorts because you, the, the, the rubbing and the chafing and the, all that stuff is, is real. Yeah. So I would invest in a good helmet cycling, um, shorts. And then you can also, if you want to get a cycling top, which has the pockets in the back and they tend to be a little bit tighter. So make sure you try those on and, but they have fun ones and colorful ones and, and all this other stuff. So you can kind of have fun with that, but those are some of the things that I would start with. And it goes on. I mean, there's cycling gloves and there's sure. all this other stuff, but that's where I would start. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you need a sports bra and good running shoes for running, like with, with a bike, the cycling, you need a bike, you need a helmet, you need some good shorts. I'm curious, just, I'm personally curious. Do you guys ride in bike shorts or do you ride, ride in tri shorts all the time? What do you do, Liz? Uh, I prefer bike shorts. Yeah, they're yeah. they're much more comfortable. You, yes. you could do tri shorts, but you're not going very very long or far in them. No, you're not. No, you're not. So yeah, it's just a thinner. Is it it's chamois? Is that how you say it, or do you say it? Okay, yeah, it's, it's just a, a chamois. Chamois. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm curious. Do you ever wear bibs? Because I have to say, like every time I put them on, and granted, I'm tall, so they're like a little uncomfortable. It's, they're like overalls, right? They come over mm -hmm. your shoulders. Yeah. Um, but why do you like them and why what's the purpose of them because they they don't jive for me they i do like them but okay. the the only drawback of bibs is when you have to get off of the bike to make a pee pee yeah there's a little more work involved it's not yes. as easy yeah um but they i don't really know the 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 scientific purpose of bibs but sure. I, I do feel like they're more comfortable and they stay on you better and they just sit better on you. So sure. I, I feel like a lot of like more experienced cyclists really like bibs. It's just a comfort thing. Yes. My husband really likes them. I just, I'm, I don't really like my husband in them. <laughs> that's, a whole other, that's a whole other discussion. So let me tell you why I like bibs because okay. this is the real, real life why I like bibs. And I okay. only write bibs. I'll have a couple of pairs that are not bibs, but I've moved, I've transitioned 45 plus in the bibs. And this is why because it keeps everything tight in place. Oh, so you things. So you get bibs and with the you know you know how sometimes cycling shorts are low ride or yes. they could go lower so annoying for me. Um, 
I like the bibs. They're super tight. It's all I wear out indoors on the trainer because it just keeps everything tight and in place. Yeah. Up past your um, belly button. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, they're kind of like high-waisted like leggings. If people, if people like appreciate those coming up to your belly button. Yeah. And I appreciate that for sure. Don't get me wrong. Just more that I haven't found a pair of bibs that I, um, that work for me. And bibs tend to be more expensive too, just FYI. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to go get some bibs, just know that. It's Cycling kinda- stuff is really expensive. I think maybe we should just make, take a second and say to yeah. keep that we're talking 150 to 200 dollars for good cycling bibs, um, and and tops, or what we call sometimes kits, K-I-T-S. Yes. So it's a, when you buy it together, and there are some great brands out there that Elizabeth and I can can uh, reference to it at a later date. But just be prepared; the money is worth it for this equipment. It is. It is. And I also want to put in a quick plug for. Um, a cycling company called Terry, which, um, you know, they don't make super fast, you know, like if you're going to go race, you're probably not going to be buying from Terry. But if you're looking for cross training, they're just a women's specific cycling company and they have every short under the sun in their catalog. And they have a whole bunch of shirts that um, don't look necessarily like bicycling jerseys. So if, you, if the idea of a super tight top, you're like, Ugh, not for me, um, definitely check that out. I'll link to it in the podcast notes. And and then at your normal bike store, we'll have a lot of stuff too, but yeah. Um, okay, all right. Well, so we could stop right here and this whole program would be useful. Um, but I wanna talk a little bit about um, a brand new program we have and you guys are coaching it and I am so excited about it. We literally just launched it today and this podcast is dropping tomorrow. It's called Become a Cyclist. It's an eight week program that gives you all the training, tips and support you need to become a confident, consistent cyclist. Um, like I said, you're gonna be coached by Jen and Liz. Um, who advise you um, how to do everything from how to make sure you've got the right fit for your bike to how to change a flat. So Liz, do you want to talk a little bit about um, kind of when you guys put this program together, what were kind of your tenants um, as far as the eight weeks of training? Sure. Really, it's, it's a very simple program to follow. So it's it's not complicated. There's no fancy, fluffy language to it that you have to interpret or need a dictionary for. It's just the basics and also helping you to make the most of your time. So if you're going to invest eight weeks into doing something new, you want to emerge from it, not only more experienced and educated, but a little bit stronger. So the program does have some some meat to it. Yes. So it's not just it's not just all about sitting on a bike and spinning the pedals. There are some days where it's about form focus and having a good pedal stroke and posture. And then there's other days where you're doing some spin-ups, you know, think of it like in our run programs, we have pickups and strides, same thing in biking. So they'll get familiar, they'll get a little dose of everything in this program, not just here's here's how you ride a bike. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Like there's there's kind of a little element to most of the rides, which is great, um, with the exception of the long rides. And the long rides, we are building you up to over the course of eight weeks, a 25 mile ride, which is not insignificant, right, Jen? I mean, that's definitely a big, uh, uh, a significant landmark for a lot of cyclists. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, that that's legit. And and it builds you up to 25. And if you want to go 20, then that's fine too. Or or you want to go a little bit longer that you come from a background of cycling. Um, Elizabeth and I will help you on the, on the page how to kind of do that for your own specific goals. Sure, sure. Well, and, um, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the kind of the skills that you're going to teach during this Become a Cyclist program. I mean, I talked about changing a flat, but 
bike handling skills, gearing. There's a lot of things there that, again, like if you're just going to go ride down to grab a loaf of bread at the grocery store, you don't need. But if you're going out and you want to come home and be like, yeah, that was a great workout. There are a lot of layers to making sure that you feel confident on the bike, right? Right. So we're go the program, you know, a, a really a strong component of all the programs that Jen and I do is education. Yeah. So teaching you the skills and the mindset and the technique so you can be the best you can out there. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more than just pedaling the bike. It's knowing how to shift, understanding that you have different gears up front and in the back, anticipating and working with the terrain. So hills and, and wind, how do you corner? And, and while all of this sounds like a lot, once you just or introduce the basic concept, you'll feel so much more confident and safer when you're outside and riding will be easier when you're outside too. Sure, sure. Jen, I, one of the, another intimidating thing about cycling is traffic, of course, and um, the fact that cars are always gonna win over bikes. So can you just talk a little bit about kind of safety um, in cycling, both like what you guys are gonna kind of teach in the program and also just if someone's listening and just wants to go take a ride, what, you know, what are some basic tenets to make sure that they, they uh, come home safe, right? Yeah, you know, actually, this is kind of a big deal because yeah. I think one of the, the limitations of cycling and women getting into the sport and men, frankly, is just the safety factor. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've had legit anxiety over going out and riding 100 miles when I was training for an Ironman and not coming home to see my kids. It, it's something I actually <clears throat> used to struggle with a lot. And yeah. I think it was becoming a mother. Um, before that, I didn't really, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't care, but you know, I was 25 years old. I'm like, what's going to happen? Each year I do it, it gets a little bit more stressful for me. So there's nothing, nothing more important than safety, in my opinion, when you learn how to bike. When you go outside, my suggestion would be a couple things. One, start on the trails and get comfortable bike handling on the trails, looking over your shoulder. Some of the things that we take for granted, um, Dimity, Elizabeth and I from biking all these years is simple movements like grabbing a water bottle off your frame, moving, you know, turning, I'm turning, I'm turning. On yeah, the you're, you're demonstrating I'm, for us now. Sorry, <laughs> I'm turning. So anyway, turning to your left, looking at traffic, turning to your right. If you're in the United States, uh, biking on the right hand side of the road with traffic, not against traffic. There are some things that Elizabeth and I will help you with some of the basic safety things, but but most importantly, I would also invest in the light. Um, yes. One of the things I've learned over the years, and in fact, I ride so much in Arizona because I'm in Tucson all the time. It's actually mandatory down in Arizona if there's any kind of like dusk or anything like that. So invest in a flashing or bright red light in your back. And then even then, then the next step would be a, a white light on your front. It doesn't need to be big. It just needs to be so that traffic can see you coming. Um, the other thing, too, is when you go out and ride, really be conscious of riding off hours. Um, and when I say that, we don't go out riding our bikes at 5 o'clock at night. <clears throat> you know, I know that some of you guys listening may have time constraints. So if it is rush hour, then get on the trails. If you can't and you have the luxury of getting out at 5 a.m. Or, or sunrise on a Sunday morning when no one's out, you know, be smart and purposeful in your decisions of when you go out. That's kind of how where I'd start with the safety. Yeah, no, that those are really good tips. Yeah, I uh, 
I'm getting better at putting my lights on. Every time I ride with Grant, we, we definitely do it. <laughs> I'm not uh, as consistent on by myself, but yeah, I mean, it makes a huge difference. You know, if you, when you see a, a bike coming at you that has a front light flashing, a front white light, you're like, holy cow, or, or conversely, if you're behind one, it really does make a huge difference. So yeah, that's definitely another piece of essential equipment that we'd recommend. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, so this program, just so you know, it starts, we're, we're doing it as, as one, one chunk. It's not a rolling admissions program. We really want everyone to be on the same page, kind of doing the same workouts and kind of learning these skills at the same time. So it starts on uh, Monday, June 7th, which is in about two weeks. Um, and it goes for eight weeks, which gets you right up until August 1st. And um, like I said, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to um, have an eight week comprehensive training program. Um, Liz and Jen are going to have two live meetings with um, you and your teammates. Um, of course, there's a private Facebook page, private Strava group. There is um, a really cute cyclist t-shirt uh, that just says cyclist period that comes with your registration, uh, as well as the normal train like a mother swag. Um, so it's just a really nice comprehensive program. You can check it out at trainlikeamother.club slash become series. I will put that also um, in the show notes. We also have, just so you know, become a runner and become a trail runner in this series. So it's a three-part series aimed at learning a new sport for beginners. We really want to give people the chance to, to expand their repertoire, right? Um, all right. Well, so anything you want to leave with, uh, Liz, when, what, what's your next ride, Liz? I, I wrote a little bit today. If Okay. One tip that I, yeah. that I think is really important that we didn't cover on this yeah. uh, podcast. I'm just going to throw it out there because I know everyone has this question in their head. You do not wear underwear under your bike shorts. Now, I know that there's been a lot of discussion on the AMR page about whether you do that running or not, but we're not runners anymore, right? We're cyclists and cyclists, <laughs> yes. especially women, yes. do not wear underwear under the bike shorts. There's just a whole lot of sweatiness going on and, and bad a lot things of chafing. Happen. A lot yes. of chafing. So that's why that chamois in there for some padding and some protection. Uh, but I'll just I'll just throw that one out there because I know you're wondering. I was wondering. I was wondering. And I know people people are wondering. Well, especially and that's another question. And then you ask like the the guy at the bike store. Don't like, ask. Don't, don't tell don't me how do I wear these? No. Guys do not have the same issues as as, as females. But no. literally last ask me any ask the coach last time. I, yeah. honestly that's all I that's all I was doing was answering underwear questions. Which I'm happy Elizabeth's <laughs> right. Never underwear even when running, but that's a whole nother subject. All right. Well, I think we got to leave it there. You guys, you ladies are awesome. I can't wait for this program to start. Um, I appreciate your expertise. And again, the willingness to share your educate, come with an educational slant, come with a very accessible hands-on slant and not, you know, no, no question is too basic or too much information. And that that's, that makes it a very comfortable learning environment. And it also makes it really fun too, because you're not intimidated to show up. So, so thank you guys. Um, excited for some more miles on my bike. I actually have a bike ride up for this afternoon. So I'm going to head out, um, but I will talk to you soon. And again, I will have all these um, information in the show notes for you guys. Thank Take you. Take care. Thanks, Jen. All Thanks, right. Liz. Bye.